Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Welcome to the May. It's so good to be here. If you're not a patron, you've just missed a great hive. <laughs> There's fights. And uh, get in and listen to it. Do and stay for Stick around. Stick around. There is so much back catalogue on the patron. Oh, we there always must have be over 200 episodes. Well, Easy. Maybe even more. And we've loads of videos as well with fun quizzes. And we have. Who can ever forget who Dick Diss? Who Dick Diss? And the penis pageant oh, of 2021. Oh, yeah. Fucking amazing. All Iconic. Those oh my God. The creeps, their creations were simply stunning. God, we should do an old. I don't even know how we. Some sort of so a kind of a hypercut, best of. Oh yeah, of the videos. Be so fun, be brilliant fun. Oh, you and Derek Cora. A Derek Cora, so good. And uh, believe believe it or not, I know. So, uh, what was it? What was his believe- name again? Oh God, guys, can't remember. Guys, okay. Uh, here we are. What do we have? I have a Twitter thread. Yeah. Yes. Coming in from. At Unwise Trousers. (laughs) I love it. The big book of unfortunate author death. Yay! So, sorry, we're going to be laughing at death. No glibness. And we won't be glib. Um, Let's just get stuck into it. Go in with the hamster attitude. This is... (laughs) Yes. That's another one that's on the Patreon. Is that Jen on the did hamster deaths and I truly thought I might pass away from laughing. Fucking they, they hit, were amazing. Hit the frights. Oh, lots of frights. <laughs> oh no. Oh, God, I loved them. Okay, here we go. Sherwood Anderson swallowed a toothpick which punched holes in his innards <sighs> leading a slow to death. Lethal peritonitis. Don't ask me a follow-up question about that. Ooh. Okay. Odin von Horvath 
hit by a falling branch from a tree and killed during a thunderstorm three days after writing a poem about being scared of storms. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> <laughs> this one is... <laughs> that tickled Cassie, that one. It's just so unfortunate. I know, some of the pictures as well, like this one's Francis Bacon is his name. He's not the artist Francis Bacon, he's a different man. A long, long time ago. A long, long time ago, man. Francis Bacon killed by pneumonia, contracted after... This is very you, Jen. An experiment in freezing a dead chicken with snow. Well, it killed by pneumonia. He was out there trying to freeze the dead chicken. He was trying to freeze mm. a dead chicken, got pneumonia, died himself. God love him. Uh, Tennessee Williams uh, pulled open a pill bottle with his teeth, accidentally choked. inhaled it, choked to death. That's a classic. Um, also, massive amounts of secondol that was already in his system inhibited his gag reflex. Tragic. Okay, this one's quite, um, this is kind of a cool one. Georgie Markov assassinated in a London street via a tiny pellet of toxic ricin, or ricin, fired into his leg from an umbrella-wielding associate of the Bulgarian spy service. Sorry, was the umbrella a gun? Yes. Incredible. Yes. This one now. This is sad. Margaret Wise Brown. She was in hospital getting an ovarian cyst dealt with, kicked her foot in the air to prove how healthy she was after treatment, dislodging a blood clot in her leg that travelled quickly to her brain. Oh, oh God no. almighty. Oh, you no. can't win for losing. Now this one. Moliere suffered a pulmonary hemorrhage caused by tuberculosis, while playing the part of a hypochondriac in his own play, Le Malade Imaginaire. Absolutely Absolutely. amazing. Also, the crowd uh, thinking, Molière had a fine head Head of of hair. hair. Molière. Molière, good hair. hair. A lawn gruig on that man. Okay, here we go. Boris Vian, enraged at a screening of the movie of his novel, I Spit on Your Graves, yelled... These guys are supposed to be American, my ass. And then collapsed and died from a heart attack. <laughs> Straight away. you got to go out with a flair. This one's dark. Bruno Schulz was murdered in revenge by a Gestapo officer after Schulz's own Gestapo protector killed the first Gestapo's officer's, quote, personal Jew. Whoa. That was not good. And he looks evil. Okay, here we go. Pietro Aretino died from either a heart attack or a fractured skull after laughing too much and falling off his chair at his own joke. Amazing. Uh, Also great beard. Great beard on that guy. Yikes. Um, Okay, let's have another here. Another here. Sorry. Hello. That's... Answer it there, Cass. Oh God, this one's so No, it's someone down from... It's... um, I'll get it. I'll get it later on. Robert Louis Stevenson, while making mayonnaise, suddenly cried out, What's that? Do I look strange? My head, my head, and dropped dead. <gasps> Cerebral hemorrhage. Oh dear. Jesus Christ. But it's the while making mayonnaise that it's I It's such find. an interesting fact. I guess you gotta die doing something. This guy, this is like weirdly relatable. Nikolai Gogol put himself to bed and refused food, thus dying of starvation in huge amounts of pain after nine days. Why? My God. Um, This is quite a feat. Yukio Mishima disemboweled himself 
at the conclusion of an incredibly ill-conceived and failed political coup. Oh my uh, God, that's yeah. commitment to the cause. Yeah, disemboweled yourself. Another kind of slow enough way to go. I know. Very much he was so. supposed. He was supposed to be simultaneously cutting his head off. Oh. Fucked the job up. That's very pat on the head and rub, rub your, your belly t- at yes. the same time. Can be difficult. Failed despite several tries. Oh, God. So. I know, I know. This one's dark. Barbara Salinas... Norman was found naturally mummified <gasps> in the dry heat of her New Mexico home, her corpse having gone undiscovered for up to a year. Oh, wow. Oh my God. Crispy. And also, you'd love the weather in New Mexico, oh, wouldn't you? Oh, simply that stunning. Uh, here we go. Being dry. Thomas Merton electrocuted while adjusting an electric fan while in the bath. Right. Yes. Um, this one just says Aeschylus who we all remember from classical studies, Aeschylus, eagle, turtle, skull. So I think the eagle was carrying a turtle, <gasps> planning to eat, Dropped bashed into turtle. his head. Skull. Okay, here we go. Oran Veli Kanik fell down an open manhole, seemed uninjured, then died two days later of a brain aneurysm. Sad. Oh. That's desperate when you think you have gotten away with, gotten it. Away with it. This next one. Very unfortunate. Dan Anderson accidentally exterminated, along with the bedbugs in a Stockholm hotel, pest eradication that they were doing using cyanide gas. So he so just they basically didn't get the alert that he was supposed to leave. He just didn't they do just a head count. And they just gassed him to just while well, they were trying to get the bedbugs oh. out of there. Oh my God. Um, so here we go. Here we go. Terrible way to go. Bo Hummel Harabel died from a fall from a fifth floor hospital window attributed to his attempt to feed pigeons. Really? It's altruistic. Yes. Altruistic. Pigeons. Pigeons. He was leaning out too far. I know, I know. God. Um, Okay, here we go, here we go. Um, This now is not great. Richard Farina... Two days after his only novel was published, was shredded going through a barbed wire fence while riding as a passenger on an out of control motorbike doing 90 miles per hour. Fucking hell, that would have been. That's a sight to behold, I'd say, finding him. Oh my God. Grated cheese. Yeah. Now, now, this now would, this could happen. This is their. But for the grace of God, go we. William Donaldson found dead with his trousers around his ankles, having suffered a massive heart attack while looking at internet porn. Oh, it happens. It happens so very, very common, I would imagine. Absolutely. Jesus Christ. Some of them are so bleak, harsh and dark that I will be skipping over them. (laughs) Um... There's one who uh, is a Mexican author called Rosario Castellano, uh, Castellanos, died by electrocution after answering the phone while wet from a shower. Whoa. I know. I can't believe that. That feels unlikely. Yeah. A faulty electrics, obviously. Faulty electrics. Also, I, I'm always messing with my phone while I'm damp. <laughs> terrifying absolutely terrifying okay 
I will leave you with the last mysterious one. Mm-hmm. Holly Roth, a thriller writer, lost overboard while sailing with her husband oh, yeah, off sure. the coast of Morocco. That's interesting, isn't it? Yes, presumed dead. Mm. By whose hand? Uh, but it's very like, if you're going to write thrillers... I feel that you're going to... Come to a sticky end. Well, if you come to a sticky end, it really... There's a bit of kind of confirmation bias, perhaps. And you're like, well... Well, I mean, you you reap what you sow. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully not, as we are the Creep Dive. And we've covered many, many a strange and unusual demise. When shit starts really happening to us, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Like, what's it going to be? Starts. Stop it. Okay, buckle in. I am. BuzzFeed headline, I'll repeat it for those not on the hive. Project Aquarius and the Mystic 12. Oh, I love it. Now, it's it a little bit leading. It sounds like a band, because, doesn't it? Yes. It sounds like a band that like Frank Zappa would be in. Yeah, well, this is a twisty tale. But the hero in our story is a little man by the name of Paul Benowitz. Nice. And we are in the area and the world of UFOs. So aboard my spaceship and allow me to probe you. Excellent. I've Loop been waiting up. so long for this. <laughs> Have you me to probe you yes. from a spaceship? I go everywhere with my KY just in case today is the day. Make it easy for me. Okay, in we go. So Paul Benowitz lived next to a fairly big Air Force base. Uh, I'm just going to give you the kind of... What kind of era? Uh, we are 1969. That's oh, yeah. Anyway... This is space landing. Like UFO stuff really popping off. Popping off. Yeah. Uh, we just covered for the hive. Sophie did the space landing conspiracy. And we are in that exact era yes. for this story as well. So Paul was living next to this huge air force when he was, when he saw colored lights in the sky. He assumed they were experimental aircraft. He started picking up strange radio signals that seemed to be an alien language. Took his findings to the air force publicly uh, and they denied the UFO alien story to the press but privately confirmed Paul's findings. Uh, The Air Force even began to fund his UFO research. He spent years and years gathering evidence, reporting it to the authorities and then ended up in a psychiatric hospital. Are you prepared to find out why? Mm. Yes. The year was 1969 And our Paul was pursuing his PhD in physics. He started quite a successful electronics company in New Mexico called Thunder Scientific. Yay. I love a name. I love a name that's got some balls on it. So Paul's main clients were the Air Force and NASA. And he did so much business with them that he actually bought a home and established uh, his lab right next to uh, Kirkland Air Force Base in Albuquerque. So this Kirkland Air facility is huge. It's one of the largest Air Force installations in the USA. It has science labs, weapons testing areas, observation, huge observation, like, what do you call them? Areas, huge storage facilities um, for nuclear weapons. And from Paul's gaff, the second floor deck of his house, he frequently saw strange coloured lights in the sky around the Air Force base. And the lights were moving too fast to be aircraft. And Paul begun documenting and filming everything he saw. So he believed he had an idea, like he was an engineer and a physicist. And he was an expert in, in, 
electronics. So he set up his radio equipment to try and detect any kind of radio transmissions that were coming through. And he'd begun to receive radio transmissions. And uh, at the time, the military were, were like a client of his. So he was using... They were using his technology, and it was sound technology. But these radio signals that he was picking up from his house sounded like... It it was basically very different from anything he had analysed before. And he realised that they were data bursts. And in these data bursts, there were messages. So he'd received kind of noticeable patterns. And he couldn't initially make sense of the data manually, but he did have access to a home computer system, an early one. And using that operating system and some software that he had written himself, he fed the alien, inverted commas, broadcast to the computer. And at first, messages made no sense. But Paul begun to deploy a very old but effective crypto analyst trick, right? Context. So what he started to feed into his program was kind of assume that the messages have words like ship, base, air, water, and time. Mm. And that begun to work. And it put these messages in context. So for example, like if you take, if you knew the transmission had something to do with pizza, you could inform the computer the basics of cheese base and then somehow patterns and sense you could begin to make and uh, because it would identify even if it didn't know what the word was it would identify the frequency of how it was appearing exactly and it was starting to make sense in terms of sentences yeah and it was kind of linking yeah i guess and this information was sounds sort of batshit to us now but he begun communication Oh, I'll get there in a minute. Anyway, he had a general idea of what the messages were saying in the translation. wasn't spot on, but it was good enough to give him an idea of what these alien, uh, what they were trying to communicate. And then he did something sort of interesting, but he begun to use the same language that he had decoded to send his own messages on that same frequency. And shortly after that, he received a reply. (gasps) And here is what the first message Paul decoded said. Round, ground, women of Earth are needed. Flexible. The next discharges our ship. Our women do not commend the North. Among us, you have many friends. Water very short. Resist all attempts of adoration. Listen and make peace. So it sounds sort of peaceful enough, except There's the weirdy, horny aliens. Exactly, yeah. women element. Um, next message he received. Are you sure it wasn't the lyrics to "Fat Bottomed Girls Make the Rock and World Go Round"? It's similar, Sophie. It really is. It is. So the message has begun to get a little more ominous. Next message, beep beep beep, comes in. Victory. Our bases obtain supplies from the starship Metal. Time is yanked. Time is yet message. Hit star use, using rejuvenation methods. Got us in trouble. Six sky. And then this message. Take fast portion universe against our aggressive. The numbers of our crash saucers is eight. Wherever we realize, tell the truth, jump. Jump opposition alien forces. Me no help you. That'll become invisible. Keep change. We will not join sides with anyone but our races dying on our home planet. Paul oh my God. had now 
uh, he had the first two-way communication with alien civilization. And he was like, this feels strange and worrying, and I'm suspecting they're, it's, they're, uh, you know, it feels ominous. Are they trying to start a war? It reads like an AI wrote a novel. Exactly. Paul was like, <laughs> all right, here's what I know. The alien homeworld was dying. There were multiple alien races on Earth. Many of them looked like typical grey Aliens, what we imagine, with large eyes, but also there's a race of Homo sapiens that look just like like that, but better looking. Sorry, the aliens have kind of a, a humanoid. They can look like humans. So he but was only hot. Exactly. Paul was convinced that an alien invasion was imminent and that he needed Jesus. to start trying to warn people. And he prepared this sort of dossier of his theory and his findings. And he went to the Air Force, who were one of his clients, who he knew very well. And uh, he was a veteran and he was well trusted. He, 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 he had tons of military connections and he was granted a meeting. And he, Paul, was am- adamant that the Americans be warned and that there was something coming. And he had received this information and he was passing it on. And the Air Force took this very seriously. So he brought the Air Force, he, to, he brought all this information to the Office of the Air Force and a special investigation uh, was kicked off to review Paul's work and they were taking Paul really seriously. He was issued an agent, this guy called Richard Doty. He was assigned to Paul's case and he was visiting Paul's house. He was reviewing the film, he was reviewing the radio equipment and everything that Paul had been using to document and speak with the aliens. Um, the Air Force agreed then to fund Paul's research as long as he delivered his findings directly to them and speak to nobody else. And Paul agreed and went to work with the help of the Air Force and specifically this guy, Richard Doty. He was convinced he could gather more intel to defeat the aliens and save the human race. So this was so actually no happening. Task. No small task. Just but, the world safe. And whatever the military thought of Paul at this time, they'd issued him an agent. They were taking all of his communications. Yeah. He was also supplying them with, you know, stuff from his business. So he was completely... This was happening. Yeah. In real life. So in the 70s, early 80s, we go to another individual by the name of Bill Moore. So he was this rising star in the UFO community. In 1980, he released a book called The Roswell Incident. Ah. And uh, so until then, nobody really knew much about Roswell or gave a shit. But Moore's book brought Roswell back into the public eye. And almost all the details we know about the Roswell UFO crash come from this book. So Bill Moore was asked Paul Benowitz, our guy Paul, if they could meet. And Paul was like, yes. And the two men became really close friends. They met every couple of months for the next year. And during that year, That's Paul... Nice, isn't it? Yeah, it was amazing. Just they like, were two aficionados of the UFO, two believers. So. I just, it's so hard to make a friend as an adult, you know, and get close to somebody. Exactly. It is, isn't it? It is lovely. And although Paul was contracted not to speak to anybody else, uh, Bill was his confidant. Yeah. And he started kind of complaining. Great confidant. The guy working on a book. Exactly. <laughs> he started complaining that he was sending tons and tons of data over to the Air Force every week. And Nothing was coming back. Mm. And it was 1981. And Paul gave, uh, no Bill shit, gave Paul. Been 10 years. Exactly. When Bill arrived at Paul's gaff with something very important. And it, uh, so he handed over a secret government file called Project Aquarius. Oh. 
So this file was dated a year earlier when Paul read the document. He was like, holy shit, the Air Force Intelligence Group was analysing my data, uh, but never told me about it. And this was proof that they were taking him seriously. But why why they lied to him about it so he like he was like okay they were taking why weren't they telling me that they were continuing to analyze my data like i've i could have been of some use here Mm. uh so bill said very carefully and quite quietly paul please be careful with what you do with this use it for your research but sit on it don't release this project aquarius document to anybody else please so the U- official U.S. government policy, this, so the, this was the document, the, US gov- the official U.S. government policy and results of Project Aquarius is still classified top secret with no dissemination outside office intelligence channels with restricted access to MG12. Um, and Benowitz is being monitored by NASA who requested all future evidence before to, to them uh, because of the chance of public, you know, panic. panic. So Paul was like, holy fucking shit. My messages are getting through. NASA's on the case now. But also this mention of this, the Majestic 12. So Paul and Bill had no idea what this was. And this was the first Majestic 12 mentioned. So in short, Majestic 12 is a group of 12 individuals who control the flow of information, all of the information about UFO sightings, investigation, even the slightest mention of UFO. Majestic 12 is notified. And only Majestic 12 can decide how to proceed. And now Paul, uh, being a pilot, so, so they were like, holy shit, this is the real deal. Majestic 12. This feels like men in black stuff. Yes. Very exciting. So and Paul, a really cool name. Exactly. Paul, a physicist, an engineer, uh, is also a pilot. He started, he, this sort of really G'd Paul up to take this further. And he was like, they're not communicating back. I know that they're getting the messages. I'm going to ramp up my research here. So he got into a small plane. He was a pilot. He started doing flyovers of where he thought there was an underground base. very close to his lab and close to the Air Force. And he started taking pictures of enormous domes and vents going underground. He saw huge towers. He put all the photos into his reports and this would continue for years. But then something strange happened. So in the monitoring monitoring of the alien transmissions, it appeared that there was a relationship or an agreement between the aliens and the US government Um, But that relationship broke down on Paul's next flight. He saw scorched patches of ground, flattened trees, even a part of a downed aircraft from what he could tell. It was as if some type of battle had taken place. Oh my God, I love it. Paul, obsessively photographing all of this. He was like, holy fucking shit. Does this mean we are on the precipice of... World War War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. And if that was the case, what responsibility do I have personally? I need to take further action. So he was using this, all of the huge amounts of information he had intercepted from the aliens. He created this document called Project Beta and included an alien takeover plan, a strategy of how to defeat them. And he was even trying and testing a weapon that he could use, uh, the US government could use against them. So Project Beta said that the aliens have abducted 
conservatively, 300,000 Americans. Oh my God. They've all been implanted with devices and returned to the general population. How many? 300,000. Same amount of people. Nearly the same amount of people that NASA had to pay Pay off. off. To keep the moon landing. moon landings on oh. the uh, Reference to the Hive episode. Uh, There's no end to how deep this goes. So these 300,000 people were abducted, implanted and returned to Earth. So he was proposing that every human uh, that was implanted was a walking, talking microphone and camera. And they can be used to create false memories, seize control of the mind, switch the brain on. Just like the cat spy. Exactly. Remember the, the old cat spy? Put First mission, in. ran it's straight into the road. Kicked the cat oh. out. They spent two, three million fitting out a cat. And trying to train the cat. Yes. <laughs> so he was like, this is horrific. And they are doing genetic experiments. Uh, he was suggesting they were splicing alien DNA with human DNA. And he sent his... Incu- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Huge manifesto and action plan project beta to senators elected officials he even got one into the hands of the president of the united states and the only reply he got was a standard letter saying project blue book has been closed the air force no longer investigates ufos paul knew however that this was a lie do you remember project blue book no project blue book was the ufo the u.s ufo investigation which has been open and closed and and you know as we know from very recent uh, of course, with the orbs. With the orbs. So, we're still in the early 80s here. Uh, and Paul's manifesto is out. He knew that they were lying about continuing to research UFOs um, because of this Project Aquarius document that he had his hands on. And over the next couple of years, he became more and more frustrated and paranoid. So, Bill and Doty, you remember him? Yeah. Richard Doty, he was the agent given to the sole communicator between the Air Force and Paul, had paid him a visit to check in on Paul, who was coming loose a little at this point. And his mental state wasn't great. Paranoia had kicked in and there was many, many weapons in Paul's house at this point. And he was insisting that he was being watched, followed, and all the time he just lost so much weight. He looked very ill. He was smoking a full pack of cigarettes every hour. Whoa! He was convinced the aliens were coming to his house at night, injecting him with something that made him drive to the desert and then he'd be back and he'd have no memory of what happened. Uh, 
at this point, Bill and Richard were like, we think we saw some needle marks on on poor Paul's arms. We are concerned. Friends of Paul were telling him, just leave it alone. Please stop this. And they wanted uh, him to destroy all the equipment to go back to focusing on his business. Paul would not. His research was too important. His mental health continued to decline. He didn't trust anybody. He thought his wife and his kids had been implanted with alien oh, no. controlling oh, devices. Oh, no. And his wife then took over the business. He became so paranoid, he barricaded himself in his house, covered the door and windows with tinfoil sandbags. His family had seen enough at this point and oh, they committed no. Paul to, oh, to no. a psychiatric hospital. And after multiple ho- hospitalizations, poor Paul died in 2003 at the age of 75. He had spent the last 25 years of his life in a complete paranoid obsession. Oh, and he was in God. agony. He couldn't let anyone to believe what he knew to be true. He had tons of evidence. It was there in front of him in black and white, photographs, communication. And he just had gone off the deep end. And he was also in a consistent state of concern that there, there was an, about to be an incredible attack. Yeah. Oh, so, Jesus, that's so tragic. Then it came to light after 25 years of was obsession. Was he committed involuntarily? He was. Like he was sectioned. Mm. He was, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, it drove him insane. And what's very sad is that none of it was necessary because the entire story about aliens, the secret base... The transmissions, all the experiments, the abductions, the plot to take over the world was all a lie. <gasps> it was made up story fed to him by this guy, Richard Doty, and the US <gasps> government. What? So, the Air Force Office of Special Investigation, or the OSI, has a couple of purposes. One of them is counterintelligent, ca- counterintelligence. Uh, And a technique of counterintelligence is disinformation. Mm. So when Paul began to intercept signals from the airbase, he didn't think that, he didn't really think that they were aliens at first. He was concerned that he could detect transitions from the base. And if he could do it, then Soviet spies could do it potentially. And after reviewing Paul's equipment, remember Richard Doty came to the gaff and looked through all his gear? Uh, They... They realised that Paul was right. Yeah. That the signals were coming from the base and that meant that they were vulnerable uh, to attack. And that is a major obvious problem. Yeah. They reviewed Paul's photos in the film. The objects that seemed to be UFOs were actually secret experimental aircrafts that... And there was another problem uh, that Paul was able to get a look at them. Uh, But rather than tell Paul the truth which, according to the Air Force at this time, would compromise security, this guy, Special Agent Richard Doty, was given an assignment to feed Paul information that would lead him to believe that he was discovering alien communications, that it was hostile, that he was doing a very important job in flagging. Oh, my God. Awful, awful, awful. So so the issue really began, would have begun... From their perspective, the Air Force's perspective, it was if Paul was compromised by Soviet agents. And that's why they sent Doty in, to keep an eye on Paul, Mm. to see if he had any external kind of connections. And to see, and to continue... And to foster this kind of allegiance. Exactly. Like, he believed he was doing good. Yeah. 
and all the lies that all Paul would need to do is, sorry, all Doty would need to do is a slight nod, a little smile in agreement and Paul's eyes would light up and he'd be like, I'm on to something. It would encourage Paul to continue and continue and continue. Yeah. Being driven mad. But Paul, remember during his paranoid state towards the end, would be, I'm being watched. Yeah. He was. He was. I'm being listened to. Oops, the daisy. I wa- he was being watched. He was being listened to. He was being followed. He was being tracked. He was telling the truth. Yeah. Nobody was believing him. Driving him more and more fucking mad. Poor old Paul. So um, at one point as well, uh, Doty swapped out Paul's computer to ensure that he would decode the messages the way they wanted him to. They were all fake. And he Paul swapped out his computer. was hoovering it up. And he suffered massively. He was a huge victim of the government's counterintelligence plan. And uh, he definitely wasn't the only one. Like, the US government are guilty of... Do you remember MK Ultra? There's, like, countless, countless, countless. But specific to the UFO kind of argument, this idea of, inge- you know, allowing information out. Mm. So the public, general public would think, well, it's fucking bonkers. It's just gone too far now. Which would kind of take the shine off any kind of real instance that might be happening. So it was to their benefit that Paul was sort of getting more and more wild with his yeah kind of because like whatever he is coming up with is providing a kind of a distraction from what they're really doing exactly and maybe if even a kernel of this was true and they hadn't figured it out yet it would throw everybody off the scent just yeah. allow Paul to go mad oh mad God. Paul so That's let's go tragic. into Bill a bit. Because yeah. Bill, so what fucking connection here did Bill have? And what was this Project Aquarius document that came through? Yeah. Who wrote that? And, and why Majestic was 12. Exactly. So Bill Moore was a celebrity <clears throat> within the, and still is within the UFO community. And when it was at its peak, he was contacted by someone in the government intelligence. It was Richard Doty. And he offered Bill Moore a deal. So the, Bill Moore would receive government documents on UFOs, real ones, and learn what the government was hiding. But in exchange, he would disseminate the, some fake UFO stories and report on people within the UFO community. Uh, Doty wanted to know who the UFO enthusiasts were, what they were doing, what they knew. Oh, my God. So Bill. the fear was Bill, that gunt, took the bait. So in order to get... And who knows who's fucking real at this point? Yeah. Or who's telling the truth? Yeah. So Richard Doty's like, well, I'll get Bill Moore on side. He'll give me the skinny on who's doing what. Yeah. And I'll, sure, Bill could have been plied with fake, more fake documents. Totally. There's nothing to say. What is real anymore? But why was the UF government so interested? If, the, if this was just kind of a mad kind of cap fantasy, why would they send Richard out into the field? Like, there's got to be a kernel of something at the base here. Surely. Surely. What interest would they have in this, like, Bigfoot community? Well, they they know more than they're saying. Exactly. It goes right to the top. Exactly. So the fear was, like, Paul could intercept secret military data. Fine. And other people could know, you know, could now... Look, we don't know. It's never been confirmed uh, that during this time the UF... So this, here's what we think might be happening. That the US government was building something, may have found something. They were testing stealth drone technology, perhaps, at that Kirkland Air Base. And 
this you're, we get it. If this information fell into fell into enemy hands, this is a problem. And then this would be the U.S. government's argument of why Doty was in there in the first place, rather than trying to distract and deflect and disseminate. What he was really interested in was what actual information the people had garnered from what the U.S. in terms of weaponry and yeah, yeah. Uh, so Moore was given the Aquarius document and instructed to give it to Paul. And here's the counter intel campaign start. So it starts to get a sloppy. Bill Moore had seen the Aquarius document and was fascinated by it. And at the time, Bill thought the information and the documents he was getting were legit. But when Bill was given the Aquarius document to forward to Paul, there was a slight difference in the document. So things were changed. So Doty, so Bill was like, all right, Richard Doty, you've given me what you're telling me is this Aquarius document. Mm. And I've seen it. And now you've given me this other Aquarius document to give to Paul. And but this different. one's different. Ooh. And like, why is it different? Do you know what? It's mad to think that there was someone inside the US government whose job it was, was to fabricate these official documents exactly that is even just yeah. wild imagine you going to work every day and that was your job but it's so i'd say that'd be fun though wouldn't it amazingly yeah. fun because there's a good chance that whoever was given the task to disseminate the false document also hadn't any idea of what was real either or what was true probably not in the inner circle either yeah oh yeah because you could get confused and accidentally put exactly. something in that was real and that's maybe what happened with this like, weird aquarius document because if it was Do you just think a they're probably document, playing hot and cold with that person they're like oh you're getting warmer exactly getting warmer. but that's what they were doing to paul i guess yeah. but if this was just a straight fake doc made by some intern why was there two different versions of it isn't that strange probably just to add to the confusion maybe so Bill had clocked that there was kind of difference and he was like, okay, Doty, what the fuck is actually going on here? And Doty just brushed it off and said, look, they were sanitized, the documents, they were redacted for security reasons. And Moore was like, I don't, but I'm not buying this. But the plan was to get Paul to go public with the Aquarius document, Right. Then the government steps in, discredits Paul. And this meant Bill Moore was now specifically being asked to lie to a fellow UFO researcher on behalf of the US government. Uh, and this was a man he considered a friend. Yeah. So up to this point, Bill was being used. Mm. But this a sloppy mistake with the Aquarius document meant that Bill was like, oh, fuck. Okay. He was conflicted. And he sat on that dock for months and then Doty told him, you better deliver this fucking dock or you'll never hear from me again. You'll never get any more UFO info out of me. So Bill was like, I'll do it. I am thirsty for the UFO content. And he was, he delivered the fraudulent Project Aquarius dock. But in trying to protect him, protect Paul, he was like, Paul, please. Do you remember he whispered into Paul, go yes. easy on this now and be careful. So, uh, then Do Agent Doty had Paul covered in... Uh, bleep, bleep, hang on, Are you keeping an eye on the time now? Because it's quarter past four. Oh, fuck. I'll just keep going. So, let me just click. So, Paul had, at this point, 
been photographing all the remember all the photographs he took yeah all the underground bases all the bits of shite everywhere so all props lads all a like enormous amount of work going in props yes soaps props don't we know that nasa is capable of this but it was just seemed like such an enormous effort like huge vast areas a, a faked fallen ship a faked moon landing perhaps (laughs) exactly but for why like really and truly in the grand scheme of things it's just a lot of effort no anyway the truth was revealed you know if it comes back to it it could be the nasa money laundering theory i guess because like it's never a straight answer to fake something like that and continue money laundering billions of taxpayer dollars i know so richard Doty's goal was to infiltrate the, this, as we know, the UFO community and flood it with misinformation as much as possible so the gover- government could easily just say, it's all bollocks. Look with your eyes, people. It's nonsense. Um, but the, at the same time, the UFO network uh, was hot and the believers were believing. Yeah. And Bill Moore in 1989... Uh, was the speaker at this annual UFO convention. It takes place every year. And during his talk, he admitted that the US government had been actively spreading lies about UFOs for years. And he knew this because he was helping them do it. <gasps> there was an outrage. Bill Moore was the guy. And he had potentially fucked the whole community. And these people were like shook. It was very hard for them to learn that everything they believed regarding UFOs, or at least some of it, was a lie. And this confession effectively ended Bill Moore's career in UFO research. And he was one of several very high-profile UFO personalities who had made deals with Doty. Uh, Though he never revealed the names of the other guys, and he was only one of the handful of people who admitted to have been in contact with Richard Doty. The the origin of the misinformation spread. Uh, so Doty was feeding misinformation and bullshit to tabloids, newspapers. National Enquirer was Enquirer was one of his major oh, outlets wow. and journos and like whoever was going to listen. And he was fabulous at doing it. It was total Men in Black stuff. Imagine. Like a man would appear yeah. apropos of nothing, a secret hushed conversation, and a hand of an envelope, and poof, Doty's gone. gone. So it was very. It was wild. There were stories floating around that nobody knew what to believe. And it's still a fucking mess. But the key to successful dissemination campaign is staying a little bit close to the truth. As close as possible. So for all the fucking mad information that was clearly lies, Richard Doty spread, Richard Doty spread, uh, a small amount of it is true. Here's Richard Doty in his own words. I'm Richard Doty. I was assigned as a special agent with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations at Curling Air Force Base. I was a counterintelligence officer at the base and one of my jobs was to conduct counterintelligence operations at the base. And during my time there, uh, my first few months, I was briefed into special access programs involving the US government's investigation and contacts with extraterrestrials and the visitation of these extraterrestrials to Earth. I was writing project the project, I was writing into the project the summer of 1979 and the briefing 
in the briefing it was a special access program uh, sorry this is a i've just taken the his wording so he keeps humming and eyeing it's just why it sounds strange it was a special access program i had security clearance to have access to it i was briefed into it by an air force colonel from washington who came down briefed myself and another couple of people into the program they showed us a movie that they uh that this i believe a 16 millimeter movie on their extraterrestrial recovery it was obvious that the movie was classified it was a highly classified the narrator in this um movie was a classified individual and there was a crash when the crash occurred approximately uh, uh, when the crash occurred in the latter part of june 1947 the recovery was showing a military person off the recovery site and there were bodies at the site this is an interview with richard doty when he begins to speak about how yeah he was a witness to some actual events and were those bodies gray yes so <gasps> richard doty broke ranks so we don't know whether it's the pressure from the ufo community and all the kind of ever how much people fucking hated him but he was he started to kind of leak information that he was telling us was true yeah about a crashed ex- roswell effectively yeah he effectively confirmed roswell and again no one knows what to fucking believe but this guy worked in military intelligence you can't find any information on him after the air force he retired from the air force he left the office of special investigation he said some of his superiors saw his actions since as unauthorized and he was asked to cease and desist um there's nothing in his military records to indicate that he was not telling the truth or after he left the service in 1998 uh, his life became a little strange. So he became a New Mexico state policeman, eventually retiring from that position. Uh, then he became a UFO aficionado. So he began sort of showing up for interviews, documenta- he's in a number of documentaries. He was started arriving at the conventions. But is this like a now performance art piece of exactly. misinformation? It's so oh twisty. Oh my God. Who knows? My mind is bending. Exactly. So this individual did more damage to UFO research than any single person ever has and potentially continued to do that damage after he officially, as we believe, retired from the uh. Air Force. So he claims 80% of the information circulated about UFOs is real. He claims Roswell, the crash, happened. He also claims the US government did recover a spaceship. He claims they recovered alien bodies. They even had live alien, <gasps> he claims, at Los Alamos for a few years. He oh claims my God. that that alien liked Tibetan music <laughs> and strawberry ice cream. <laughs> Doty said he was briefed in. He was shown a film, uh, clips from the late 40s and 50s that showed all of these things. And that is what he's saying. But can we trust Richard Doty? Oh, I don't know. So if you follow his interviews through the years, things change a little bit, but he obviously is getting old and things are getting a bit blurry, I guess. But it is so wild. That is wild. Now, this go, can go on. strawberry ice cream is not nice. I'm just oh. going to come back and do a two-parter on this because yeah. there's a whole other, from this, and we're in the kind of 90s here at this point. Mm. It, I'm going into private, I'll, I'll bring you next into sort of private entity, like early, 
Elon Musk billionaire funded private investigation mm. businesses that Doty goes on to consult get for. Con- yes, no he's contracted to, to do that. So I'll move into that. I just, if I can find the name of this particular company. Oh, it's like Into the Stars or something. Oh, Fascinating. That's the part two. I'll leave it there. Thank oh, you, Jennifer. Unbelievable. It's fucking thrilling stuff, guys. Yeah. So good. You're just such an enigma to me that you like... Believe in aliens, but won't, won't believe, believe that the moon land. landing was fake. Well, what can I say? A little bit of this and fool me once. You can check out the Patreon for our fight. Um, <laughs> good night, God bless. Good, hold on, I've got oh. a few little tidbits oh, to take on. You, you need, If you need to go, you can leave. Yeah, it's very harsh. Do you need to go? I sort of do, but I want the tidbits. I'll be tuning in later. Do you want me to give them to you really quickly? Yeah. Less than five minutes? Yeah. Right, I'm just going to finish this out with a few lols. As you may know, LinkedIn, toxic place. It's absolutely gas. But I I don't know if you, if you have to spend any amount of time there, you realise that the world is bizarre and that there's all these crazy statuses of weird stories that people tell. And it is just absolutely bizarre for what is supposed to be a networking platform. So I have some <laughs> of the strangest, funniest LinkedIn posts throughout the ages. First one from um, a chief creative officer. Uh, he says, hire slow, do three hour interviews, have coffee, lunch, dinner, ask your team to meet the candidate and see if it's a good fit. The higher position, the slower you should hire. I've been interviewing someone for the last five years. <laughs> the person doesn't even know. <laughs> it's going well. Brilliant kind of stuff. Another one. Um, this is from a martial arts instructor and a trainee solicitor. When someone asks you a question, count to 30 before you answer. It's very, very powerful. <laughs> so I'm told. En- <laughs> Enormous pause. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, this one is from a CEO at Hustler Agency. Mm. Mm. Daniel, I bought her a coffee. No big deal. Then I grabbed a marker pen and wrote this on the side of her cup. I'm impressed with your creativity and the quality of your work. We're really privileged to have you on the team. Thank you. She thanked me for the coffee, but didn't notice the message. <laughs> Later, I saw a huge smile on her face. When our eyes met, she mouthed the world's thank you. People want to feel that their work matters. It doesn't take much to show someone appreciation. It's not about pay rises, bonuses or company oh, cars. All you need is $4 coffee and a pen. <laughs> A person who feels appreciated will always do more than what's expected. Oh, capitalism. Sick. Just, isn't it wonderful? Sick. Absolutely. Um, Oh, this is a great one. Brett Masterson, CMO at a marketing agency. Why are bird scooters so successful? It's all in the name. Bird Bird communicates the benefit. You feel like you're flying through the city on those little things. This is where Apple really missed the mark. A healthy snack food that tastes good with peanut butter on it doesn't really communicate the benefit of a laptop or a phone. Until yeah. they decide to Apple. rebrand, they will never be successful. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, famously, they missed the mark. Famously. Oh, my God. Amazing. Here's a wonderful one for you. I can't get this person's name. I just spent my lunch with a homeless man. I bought him coffee and we had a lovely long chat. Then I invited him to a local meditation class, which I said I would pay for if he ever wants to attend. People have helped me get to where I am now, so I'll always try and help others. I don't want need or need recognition for what I've done. And I would be truly grateful if you made an effort next time you pass someone who could do with your help. Remember, the secret to living is giving because what homeless people need is meditation. Meditation. Oh my God. Absolutely wonderful stuff here on this toxic, toxic um, place. Josh um, Fetcher, 
co-founder of Banff Media. That'll be familiar to marketeers. It's a ridiculous playbook of marketing. Today I woke up at 3.30 a.m. I hit the gym for four hours before I left for the airport. <laughs> I'm headed to China. I took several sales calls, shot out a couple of proposals, all while walking through airport security. Then I wrote a couple of pieces of content, checked on a few employees and realized I won't have access to my Gmail without a VPN for the next four days. Before I know it, I'm typing the status in a line about to board my plane. That's the life of a founder. There are no timeouts. You're always up to bat. It reminds me that being a founder is a state of mind, not a job description. (laughs) Horrendous. I love it. Absolutely horrendous. And finally, this one from Mandy Holcomb, who's an account manager. She says, ran through Wendy's drive through just now. The girl at the window was crying. Her boss was standing there explaining she had to leave work because her mask broke and they had no extras. She was sobbing, but I don't have a ride and I need the money. Her boss was sympathetic and looked sorry for her. I hopped out, grabbed the bag of extra masks in my trunk that my husband gave me and handed them a few through the drive through window. They both looked so shocked and it made the poor girl cry harder and she was thanking me. I got a free frosty and a damn good feeling inside. <laughs> oh my God. Oh wow. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Thank you. Just remember, you don't always have to post on LinkedIn. Don't post at all. Thank it you. It is about giving. It is about life is about giving. Meditation. <laughs> And giving back. Mm. Goodbye. Bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, 
wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.